See if you recognize any old friends in here. Welcome to this week's edition of the Wispy Mop Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series. I'm your host, Todd, middle initial C. Walker. Yes, that's right. It's me, and you're listening to an original song by my good friend Max Hahn using title or names of movies and television shows. 
or maybe just television shows, all the way through, very cleverly done. He's a board member of Frederick Acoustic Music Enterprise, more commonly known as FAME, and he's also an alumni of many open mics, including the now-defunct Frederick Coffee Company open mic and the currently running, once we get back to normal life, third Thursday open mic at Beans in the Belfry in Brunswick, Maryland, run by Tommy Wenham Wright, and Max is on the phone with me. Max, how are you? I'm doing well this evening. Thanks, Todd. How about you? I am doing very well. Uh, you know, I've been getting out a little bit, but unfortunately with a mask on and not being able to get too close to folks. How about you? Do, how are you doing down there? We have been very isolated with Irene's health conditions. We stay pretty close to the house. So the other day we went to the post office to mail a package to my uh, stepson and that was the first time in three weeks that the car had been out of the driveway. So <laughs> we're following orders. Well, you know, hopefully soon. As I mentioned in my weekly update, I hope the virus gets tired. Uh, I think I would agree with that one. Well, going back to the song, you write songs. You also sing cover songs or, in other words, songs written by other people. But how did you come up with the idea for that song? I had been trying to write a song using cliches for probably a couple of months. And a lot of times while I'm out mowing the yard or doing routine type tasks, I run lyrics through my head and I just wasn't getting anywhere with it. Nothing that I liked. And one Sunday morning, I sat down with the TV guide from the Washington Post and for some reason started looking through it and this song just popped into my head. I just, as I looked through it and looked at the different titles of the programs and remembered some that weren't in there, it just fell into place. Uh, I don't even have any idea how I came up with the uh, chord progression and melody for it. it. It was just one of those songwriters gifts. Now, was it, did it take a long time to write it, or was it one of those ones that just kind of flowed and a couple hours later or a day later you've got a complete song? I would say that it, an hour later I had a complete song. Wow. <laughs> it, I, you know, I sat there with a pen and a piece of paper, and as the thoughts went through my head, I started writing them down. I crossed out a few things and rearranged things a little bit, but it it was pretty amazing how how well it came together. I I had to change the second verse a little bit because I could never remember how I started it uh, when I would try to perform it. So I I changed those lyrics around the sold grand pianos. I figured if I start with that, that'll get me off on the right track when I'm performing. Now, is that typical of how quickly you can write a song? There have been a few that have come that way. There's others that I have worked on for years and never quite got what I wanted out of it. One of the songs that I did that I like and I occasionally perform is a song that I had two songs going and I found out that if I combined the two songs, they made one fairly decent song. Well, that's a good way to do it. I mean, it really is because yes. if neither one is really working 
And it's, it's almost like a mashup, isn't it? What they call some of those where they take two songs and they sing them concurrently or they fit them together. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There, there have been some others that uh, I did a Christmas medley a couple of years ago for the, one of the Christmas shows that I pretty much put together from other, just putting other Christmas carols together and singing them with a, not necessarily the same melody that they started out with. Now, do you? I, I think of that as kind of a, a, a mashup or a conglomeration. Now, do you consider yourself a folk singer or an Americana singer? Do you, how do you classify yourself, your style? That's a hard question. I I know that the, I have. A, a very folky style that has morphed over the years. And I certainly started out singing folk songs. The Kingston Trio was one that I listened to a lot and, and the Limelighters and the, those various groups, Peter, Paul, and Mary. And initially when I started playing music, I those were the kinds of songs that I played that and the uh, some of the pop songs that were uh, many of them they just the, the three or four chord structure songs and as as time's gone by I've I've tried to pick songs that are more unusual and that people typically haven't heard. Now how they, did they they run the gamut? <laughs> now take us back in time. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in central Illinois. Twin Cities called Bloomington Normal. It was right in the middle of cornfields, but it was uh, the home of two colleges and uh, several uh, corporation headquarters were there, including State Farm. So it was a you know fairly a cultured community for being in the middle of the cornfields. Large family, small family? By today's standards, it would be large. By my father's standards, it would be small. My dad was one of 10 kids. Uh, I had three brothers, and one of them died several years ago. But we lived in a neighborhood that was full of boys. And so, in a way, we had a family of about 10 boys. Must have been a lot of uh, sandlot baseball and kicking balls around and playing tag. Oh, absolutely. Riding bicycles all around town when we could. And there was a uh, concrete factory that was out on the edge of town where we lived. And they had all sorts of conveyor belts and derricks and things like that. And on weekends, we would go and climb on those. And... All the things you weren't supposed to do, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, gosh, the things that when we're adults and we have our own kids and we say, you better not do that. <laughs> I tried not to do that too much with my own kids. Now, how did you get started musically? I think that... Music, for as long as I can remember, has been a part of my life. My dad loved to sing. His father was a Methodist minister who was noted and sought after for singing at revivals. Uh, 
And my mother was a music teacher and she tried to teach us music while we were growing up. I don't think that our attempts to learn to play the piano got very far for any of us, but she did leave us with a great appreciation for music and mom and dad both liked a tremendous variety of music. So we got quite a bit of exposure. Now was guitar your first instrument? No, my first instrument was to try to play the clarinet when I was in fifth grade, and I made it through the fifth grade band, and then in sixth grade, I think the teacher suggested that I, uh, you know, invest my talents in other ways. <laughs> now, was that the end of your musical career for a while, or did it uh, quickly transform into something else? No, other than singing, I would say that was the end of my musical career until my senior year in high school. And, uh, you know, I did sing a lot. I'd sing along with the radio and friends and I would get together and do, uh, you know, our acapella versions of the popular songs of the day. But Joan Baez just started to become popular when I was a junior, or I guess I was a senior in high school. And just listening to the beautiful way she played the guitar made me think, you know, I've got to get a guitar and learn how to do this. And my parents were encouraging and I, I bought one of those $25 nylon string guitars and uh, you know, spent a number of years trying to learn how to play it. Went through, I, I went through that, and my brother brought me a steel string Stella guitar that I was not, I couldn't play it very well. It hurt my fingers, but I sure wish today that I had kept it. Uh, and then just through fortune, when I was in college, uh, friend needed some new tires for his car and he brought over a uh, 1943 Gibson Southerner Jumbo and wanted $75 for it and I fortunately had $75 at the time and uh, bought the guitar from him and still have it today. Do it's, you really? It's a, a very fragile guitar so I don't take it out to play very often but you know, one of these days I will. Now, is it a sunburst top or a natural finish? No, it's it's the sunburst top, and it's it's the the banner model guitar. It, it weighs next to nothing. In those days, it, it was during World War II, and they were using very thin, both the the tone wood and the top and the bracing. Uh, so it it weighs next to nothing, and it was falling apart about. Oh, well, I actually, what happened was a friend borrowed it and smashed the bout, the lower bout of the guitar, and he felt so bad about it that he repaired it. And I guess he was so, uh, you know, enthused by being able to repair it that he eventually became quite a good luthier. Wow. But the, somebody before I got the guitar 
they had had a problem with the bridge and had put a couple of little bolts through the bridge into the uh, whatever you call that plate that's under yeah, bridge on the plate. underside, yep. mm -hmm. the bridge plate. And it, over the years, it, it gradually moved from the tension and the top was getting pretty deteriorated. And I took it to uh, Melody Music to see if they could get it repaired. And they had a uh, fella who makes guitars now, his name's Bill Callahan, and he was doing the repairs for them. And he said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll repair it. Well, two or three years went by and he was making electric guitars that were very popular in Japan. And my guitar kind of took a back seat to those. And I, I'd call him about every two or three years and say, Bill, how's the guitar coming along? <laughs> and my wife was, after about five or six years, she said, you're never going to see that guitar again. Well, about a week later, Bill called and he said, you know, I've almost finished your guitar for you. And it, when I got it back, it, he'd, he'd done just an absolutely beautiful job of, of repairing it. And also he refinished it, which I've been told, you know, diminishes the value of the guitar, but it's, at least it's stable now. It sounds as good as it ever did. And uh, I, I get it out occasionally and play it. It's got that deep, rich sound to it. So it's still in playable condition. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I keep it in the case most of the time, and I loosen the strings down to about a, a C or a C-sharp tuning, and you know, then periodically take it out and tune it up. And I make sure I keep it humidified during the winter, and yeah, I'll, I, I will, you know, I, I've kind of, I was very hesitant to record songs and put them on uh, Facebook or to try to get them on YouTube. And a friend of mine had, who grew up with my stepkids had been doing songs. And I said, Jim, how are you doing that? And he says, you know, I just take my cell phone and put it on a music stand and aim it toward me and turn it on and start playing. And I thought, well, damn, I better try that. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's, uh, I use my tablet and it's a little distracting sometimes to be looking at myself while I'm playing, but uh, I, I'm getting better at it. And I, I, it, I got so many responses to the first song that I posted that it was very encouraging. And, uh, We'll continue to do that. But, well, and the song I, the song we started off with was recorded just that way, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It, if I remember right, it is the the video for that song. I, I'd been recording, and I'm sitting. We have a sunroom on the back of our house that's used to be a, a add on swimming pool at the folks that. Uh, we bought the house from had put in and eventually it deteriorated and we filled it in and put in a concrete floor and it's got windows on three sides and leans up against the back of the house and is a beautiful place to sit in the winter time if it's been warm it, the room stays warm so I sit out here and, and so then I can play music and it won't disturb Irene and uh, 
so I, I recorded some songs out here and then the, the lighting was very dim so you can hardly see me in some of them the mystery which is not a bad thing <laughs> <laughs> the mystery singer yes now going back to that guitar if you could or let me let me suggest this for the famed newsletter which is titled the sound post it would be so much fun for you to do an article on that guitar telling the story that you told me how you acquired it how it went through a long period of time at a fix-it shop and so forth and take a couple photos of it and and send it to Don and have him publish it in the as a gear review. That would be wonderful because I'd be willing to bet you that there are many guitar players out there who would just drool at the thought that you own one of those. <laughs> I, I remember when you had, uh, oh shoot, I can't think her name, a singer from Wyoming, uh, McLeod. Yes, yep, Kate McLeod. Yeah, Kate McLeod, and I, I've loved Kate McLeod for years, and I just sat right up there next to her at the coffee company and was watching her guitar. She has a very nice finger style, and she said, well, I'll bet you'd love to have this guitar, and I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting you mentioned her because Carol and I were listening to, I have two of her CDs, and... We were listening to her CD just last week because we like to play music, you know, soft, not too many, usually instrumental, but sometimes like her voice is very, very easy to listen to. And we'll play it in the background while we're eating dinner. So it's interesting that you bring her name up. Well, I know that she's been trying to do a sing-along online during this uh, period of being sequestered. Well, it, you know, it's amazing how many people, and I don't go on Facebook as much as I used to, so I don't get to see a lot of the things, but it is amazing. I get emails from people saying, hey, you didn't mention my upcoming in-house concert on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know. Yeah, I've seen a lot of them. I spend a lot of time on Facebook because I get up in the morning at a reasonable hour, and Irene frequently sleeps for a couple of hours after longer than I do, so I'll get up in the morning and spend my time reading news and checking Facebook and getting email. Yep. Recently, though, our, our internet reception has been so horrible that I can't, frequently can't listen to people's songs that they post, and I'm uh, hoping for the ability to install a better internet server. I won't say who we have now, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's move back over to guitars. After you had the, the Gibson, and by the way, the very first nice guitar I ever heard was a Gibson Southern Jumbo when I was in high school. I'll be darned. Yep. It was a, a touring, well, I don't, I don't know if he was touring or not, but he sure was very good at our church youth group. He came in on a Sunday evening when we'd get together, and he was the guest performer. And the uh, I remember he put the guitar down because he was going to go into the, the other room to grab a bite to eat. And myself and another fellow was sitting there, and he said, uh, don't touch the guitar. Off he goes. And the other fellow said, well, let, let's try it. I said, no, he asked us not to. So he picked it up, and sure enough, one of the strings broke. 
Oh no. <laughs> and so he sets it down and doesn't say anything. And the fellow comes back in and he immediately looks at me and I'm thinking, it's not my fault. You know, the Han Solo line. <laughs> he was not happy. I can imagine not. So what did you get or how long did you play the, the Gibson before you purchased another guitar or acquired one? And what was the next version? What was the next guitar? Well, the next guitar that I got, if I remember right, was a uh, a Guild, and I, I forget what number it was, but it was one of those large body Guilds, the Dreadnought style, that had the sculptured back on it. And I played that guitar for a long time when I played. Well, I, I played until I had kids and then life got, and I did play some, but the life got busy. And then I uh, went from a, my first marriage to marrying Irene and she had five kids. So, so between the seven kids, I kept pretty busy with uh, things other than playing the guitar. And Goodness, I can see I, why. That's a, that's uh, a, that's a brood. <laughs> it was. We, uh, her kids were older than my kids, and uh, they they were a wonderful group of kids. We had lots of great adventures together, and and they were like, you know, they've been big brothers to to and sisters to my kids, and they still, you know, keep in touch with each other like a family. So I considered that to be pretty successful. Now, in that time period before the kids came along, did you perform out at all, or was it pretty much on the sofa and, you know, at home? We, something went with the uh, transmission. I missed your question. Oh, okay. That's all right. The, in fact, I get really horrible reception at my house. I have to sit in a certain spot, and then, so once in a while, it may cut out. The Before you had kids and you were playing that guild, did you ever perform with it, or was it pretty much just a stay-at-home type of a, a musical experience? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> when I was a senior in college, I had a friend who was also uh, a musician, and he got a gig for himself and me and one other person to play music for a uh, group of cheerleaders. The, the university had a cheerleading clinic and they had a banquet and we were to be the roving musicians at that banquet. And, you know, I, I, as I look back at it, I was into folk songs at that point, especially the Dylan and uh, Phil Oaks and lots of, uh, you know, protest type songs. And I can imagine <laughs> these girls <laughs> who were high school seniors, uh, juniors and seniors, and th th that it probably wasn't exactly their cup of tea. I think the one other time that I did some performing, I was a counselor at a uh, camp, a summer camp for handicapped children, and I would play around the campfire for them. But mostly, other than once in a while getting together around the campfire with some friends. I didn't play out very much. I usually just for myself and a few friends around home. Now, how did you learn songs back then? Well, 
mostly I learned them by listening to them or buying a songbook that had the lyrics and the chords in it. It took me quite a while to get to the point where I was proficient at being able to listen to a sound, a song and hear what the chords were, unless they were like one, four, fives or, you know, the, the very simple structures. And I would say for the most part that that's been the way that I have learned songs. Uh, occasionally learn them off of a, a lyrics chart, but I've gotten to the point where I can, for the most part, hear what the chords are and learn a new song just by listening to it. You're a better man than I. <laughs> I don't know about that. So, I, yeah, I did, though. You, you, you played Punky's Dilemma over at the coffee company a while back, and uh, I was remembered every bit of that song, so I sat down with it and the you know, got some chords that fit it perfectly right away. Well, I think I told the story before I sang the song as to how I came back to that song, because I loved it when it came out, whenever he released it, but I had totally forgotten about it until I read his biography, which was, to me, a fascinating book. It really was. I had no clue the man behind the songs, and I love backstories. And that title came up he's talking about punky's dilemma and i thought gosh i remember that name but i have no clue on what the song sounds like so i pulled it up on youtube and i thought i have to learn that song such a great song <laughs> yes it is it is and i've used it two or three times since uh you reintroduced it at the coffee company when we played together last spring or that was a lot was. of fun it was it, i guess it was summer wasn't it it, it was, was yeah and it was I, a lot of fun. Hopefully we can do it again one of these days. I know. We need to get out of this current rut we're in. <laughs> well, speaking of ruts, what was your occupation? When you when you put the guitar kind of off to the side and you had the family and you were having to make your way in the world business-wise, what, what was it you did? Well, I, uh, when I went to college, I, I, I was good at math the, most of the way through school, and I majored in mathematics. But then when I got into some of the more uh, complex math and the more theoretical stuff, I was, you know, really struggling. So when I went to graduate school, I got a degree in school psychology. And uh, after spending a couple of years in the army, I got a job with Fairfax County Schools. Uh, I'd been stationed out at uh, the Pentagon, and uh, my wife at that time was working for the county, so we just decided to stay in the area, and this job came open, and, you know, I took it thinking that eventually I'll probably go back to Illinois. Well, <laughs> 33 or four years later, I retired from that job, and uh, it, it was a a good job. I worked with great people, and Fairfax County had an excellent school system, and I felt like the, the work that I was doing was meaningful work, but I was certainly glad to retire and uh, have, have been enjoying that. Now, does Illinois still tug at your heart? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
my my uh, brothers both live in Illinois. My my one of my brothers lives in Normal, a town where we grew up. That's the uh, name of the town. The name of the town is Normal. It uh, Jesse Fell donated land to the state to have a teachers' college, and in those days, the Normal universities were a two-year college for teachers, and the town got named after the college. And it, it, for a while it was North Bloomington, but then they changed it to Normal. And I tell people I'm from Normal, and they say, oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I say, you know, if you think that's bad, there's a town in Missouri called Peculiar. <laughs> You know, you should write a song. You're so clever at putting different thoughts together in a song. That would be a a, a normal song that is also pe- peculiar, <laughs> or a peculiar normal song. I don't, I don't know. You, you'd do you much know, better at that than I ever could. Well, that that sounds like it might be worth going somewhere with. Now, did you ever teach any of the kids how to play guitar? I tried to teach. Uh, both kids how to play guitar and my son Brighton I I eventually gave that guild to my son Brighton because he liked to play the guitar but he never developed the theory for playing it so his playing is very inventive and very creative and when we get together we can occasionally spend some time doing a, a free form jam my daughter took up the violin when she was in high school and took lessons for a couple of years. And then I guess when she went away to college, she quit. And a few years ago, she said, Dad, do you still have my violin? And I said, your violin? I thought that was my violin because I'd had it in the closet for years and had forgotten that she had played it at one time. Well, I said yeah and we tuned it up and she played a scale on it and said can i have it <laughs> and so she's been taking lessons since then and uh has has uh made some pretty good progress with it now does she, she oh, go ahead i'm sorry she is very musical she was in chorus in high school and was in some of the musicals they did there at South Lakes High School in Reston and has always enjoyed singing. And, you know, she's my favorite singing partner of all the people I've ever sung with because she has such an incredibly good voice and great range and very powerful. And somewhere there are some songs that we did together that maybe I can find a way to get them posted. Now, does she play the violin more like a violin or more as, as a fiddle? She was taking lessons from a, a woman who was using the Suzuki method to teach her. Uh, when that, and I think she took lessons for about three years from that woman. And then uh, her teacher moved away and she got a new teacher who is helping her learn to play fiddle tunes and in addition to the more of the classical stuff. So she does some of both. 
Oh, that would be so much fun to hear the two of you play a song where she's singing with you, but also playing fiddle behind you. Yeah, I, I, I would love to have that happen. Now, does she live close here to here or where? Well, it's Seattle. Well, <laughs> it's a ways away. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a real treasure when we can get together and you know spend time. And if if the time allows us to play some songs, that's the frosting on the cake. So huh? my 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 granddaughter. Uh, let's see, my grandchild. She has decided that she's gender neutral and. She uh, is an amazingly good piano player. She's about to turn 15 and also plays the trombone. And uh, I'm trying to think what what she has. There's one other with a wood, not a woodwind, but a flute type instrument that she plays. It's an interesting mix of instruments, piano and trombone. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And I would say she's much better at the piano than she is at the trombone, but she wanted to be in the band, and the pianos are a little bit challenging for that. They they sure are. Even the, the portable pianos, the, um, well, I suppose you could wear a strap on one of the short-scale pianos, but there's... I would think so. But the, the problem they, would be amplification. Yes. Although I've seen advertisements for some of those amps now that will run on a battery and weigh 26 pounds or something like that. And I guess you could kind of put a backpack on. (laughs) Anyway. So when did you get back into playing guitar and singing and writing songs and things? Well, off and on... The, the entire time, I would occasionally get together with friends and play music. Uh, the, you you would ask about the the next good guitar that I bought. Actually, the the next good guitar that I bought was a twelve string Gibson guitar, and I kept that for about let me think maybe three years, and then I. Uh, decided that I wanted an electric guitar. So I traded that guitar in on uh, a Gibson uh, S. uh, It was a Les Paul, but it was the SG style guitar. And when Gibson first came out and said, this is our new Les Paul, and they put a nameplate on it that said Les Paul, he said, no, that's not a Les Paul and you're not allowed to use my name on it. So, you know, that that guitar is, uh, I still have that one too. And it's a, I would say a fairly rare guitar. I was going to say that would be a collectible one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I played that quite a bit before I, I, I guess it was after I got out of the army, I played that for several years. I would play it down in the basement and uh, got had a three-track tape recorder that I could loop music on, and I, I enjoyed doing that. Uh, but then, 
most uh, mostly I I would just play either that the guild or that uh, uh, SG occasionally when we'd get together with friends. So it was when I retired. Let me think. It might no. And now that I think of it, it was a little bit before I retired. I met a group of uh, uh, actually a, a neighbor of ours who was doing sing-alongs once a month, a potluck sing-along at his house. And he and found out that I played and said, "Oh, come on over to our sing-along." So for a number of years, once a month, uh, our sing-along group would get together and. And that was really what got me back into playing music regularly, because I I practice occasionally before or between sing-alongs, and then when I retired, I uh, started playing more often. Uh, the that Gibson and our sing-along group would would in, rent a beach house for a week during the summer and you know spend the week playing music together and eating out. And so when I got my Gibson guitar back, I took that to one of our sing-alongs and I put some new strings on it and went to try to you know, play it and it sounded terrible. I thought, oh my God, you know, what's wrong with this guitar? And I thought, well, you know, something's shot so I put it away and went out and bought a uh, small model tailor and it was probably in the neighborhood of $1,700 it was one of their uh, 700 series and I decided man I it's kind of like uh, uh, oh shoot I can't think of his name the jazz guitar Wes Montgomery he told a story about how he spent a bunch of money on the guitar and he didn't know how to play. And he said, man, I've spent all his money. I better learn how to play it. And I, I felt the same way. So I made a commitment to myself to practice every day and was very good about sticking to that and, and made a lot of improvement. I had a lot of bad habits in my guitar playing. For one thing, I almost always used a pick and all I ever used was a downstroke. And when I got this Taylor guitar, I started experimenting around with fingerstyle playing. And after I'd had it for about a year, I decided I would take some lessons. And the lessons, he, he did a typical kind of thing with lessons. He'd pick out, so he listened to me play and gave me some suggestions and he picked out some songs to learn to play. And, you know, I was not very good at playing, you know, looking at a songbook or listening to the these complicated finger style songs. But he did tell me two really important things. He told me, or he showed me the different scale patterns, the caged system. And he also said, listen to what you're playing. And, you know, if it doesn't sound right, figure out why it doesn't sound right and do something about it. Because I was a very sloppy player. And uh, I, I 
between those two things, I think it has, and practicing, it's made a huge difference in what I can do with the guitar. Now, how many guitars do you own now? I'm guessing 15, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I lose track, but I, I, I have uh, three mandolins. I have a banjo. I have a ukulele. I have uh, a bazooki. I have uh, an, an octave mandolin, and I have a, a mandola. And there are probably a couple other things. I've got a bunch of uh, flute-type instruments, but I, I've never played them. No, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah. Now I have seen you play your Martin and your Breedlove. Mm-hmm. And is it is it called Teton? What's the, yes. l- the little yes. guitar? Yeah. Yeah, that's the Teton. Now, what came first, the Martin or the Breedlove? Mm, golly. I think the Martin came first. It's a uh, walnut-style OM guitar. It, it, yeah, it did, because I, I bought it uh, around 2000. And it, it was a guitar that had been sitting in Melody Music and Sterling for quite some time. And uh, I had looked at it off and on when I'd go in there and, you know, dream about their guitars. And they marked it down by a couple of hundred dollars. And I thought, you know, I'm, I've got to buy this guitar. And it's it's the guitar I play more than any other. It's lightweight uh it wasn't overly expensive it's got good tone to it it's comfortable to play so and i don't feel bad about leaving it sitting out so it by default if nothing else and then the the breed love guitar uh i bought that after melody music used to have a one we a one day uh, kind of music festival, and they would bring in well-known musicians to do clinics. And Muriel Anderson played the that Breedlove guitar, and I had looked at it already a couple of times. And I thought, you know, that sounds so great. I've got to buy that guitar. And I think as far as overall tone goes, I like that guitar better than any of my others. It just has something about it. Well, it's also really pretty. It is. It is. I've always loved the way Bree loves look, especially the older ones. Mm-hmm. You know, the, they've, they've changed the, um, the bridges to look more general, I guess, uh, since uh, two hippies... Uh, purchased the company and i know they did that to be more mainstream and to push sales but i really like the old i guess they called them mustache bridges or whatever they called them yeah i'm not sure what they called them but yes that's and the 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 way that the uh bridge is supported it has a a rod 
that goes underneath the bridge plate and goes to the back of the guitar. So it makes it a real lightweight support. And I think that has something to do with transferring the, mm-hmm. the energy and giving it the tone that it has, in addition to the, the myrtle wood and the Sitka spruce. Now, is that the, what do they call it, the Northwest? Yes, that's the Breedwell Love Northwest. Yeah. I had one of those once. I've had too many guitars that I never should have sold, but there's always one on the horizon that I wanted, and so I let ones go. Yeah. Have you ever bought a uh, a composite guitar? Yes. I mean, um, you mean graphite? Yes. Yes. I own one, two, do I have two or three? Oh, my. Yeah, I've owned five, I think. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the um, The first one I purchased um, is the one I wish I hadn't have sold. And I, I I stay in contact with the fellow I sold it to and, and told him, if you ever want to sell that, please let me know. He goes, no, nah, I will, but I don't think I'm going to sell it. Because I can't <laughs> find the newer ones that sound as good as that one did, although they sound nice. But they're wonderful for very hot and humid weather. Mm-hmm. I've even played the original one I had. I, I played in the rain. The only problem with the rain didn't bother the guitar at all, but the unwound strings start to sing when you slide up and down them. Uh-huh. And, and so it would just not sound good. So <laughs> I'd have to dry it off and put it in the case, but it, I didn't, you know, and they, some of the advertisements, some of the companies, especially the ones that build little ones, they'll show a fellow, paddling a canoe i think the right <laughs> paddling the canoe or you loosen the strings and use it as a beer cooler yes <laughs> now have you tried a, a composite guitar i have only played one very briefly that another person had it was one of the rain song guitars mm-hmm. and i've been tempted but i just have so many now that <laughs> i you know it, Actually, I'd like to to get rid of a couple of the ones I have. Now, if you were to, or if if Irene came to you and said, okay, Max, you're allowed to keep one guitar, what is the guitar you would keep? (laughs) Oh, boy. You know, probably that old Gibson. Mm -hmm. Now, if she said you can keep two? (laughs) Well, then the breed love would definitely be the second. Yeah. And if I could keep three, that would be a harder choice. I'd probably <laughs> keep, I've, I've got a Norman Blake uh, OM, no, tri- triple O, Norman Blake triple O, that it, it just has such a rich tone to it. That, that would probably be the third one. Now, is that a Martin guitar or? Yes, it is. Yep. Yes, it's a Martin. It's a, a slot head 12 fret guitar. And it, Norman Blake wanted a slightly wider neck. So when my fingers are feeling clumsy, I will play that guitar. Now, have you ever had the chance to see Norman Blake in person? No, I haven't. I have not either. And I'm not even sure he still performs. I think I read somewhere a couple of years ago that maybe he was retiring from performance. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> I've enjoyed his music for years. Mm-hmm. I, I know a bunch of his songs, but I, I 
don't believe I've ever seen him. I've, I, for 11 years, I was a volunteer at Merle Fest. Were you really? In, yes. Wow. Yes. It, it was the, we had the, the best volunteer job possible. We were the signage crew and we put up all the signs around the campus and we'd go down about a week early. The, well, we'd usually go down the, the Saturday or Sunday before it started the following Thursday and uh, put up signs. And we got to camp near the duck pond, which was on uh, campus. And it was a, just a wonderful group of guys to work together. And then when the music started, the signs were all up. And other than on Saturday morning, when we had to switch the uh, billboards that told what the Saturday and Sunday performances were, we could do pretty much whatever we wanted and take in as much music as we could. So I, I seen an awful lot of people there and at this point don't remember who some of them were. Well, can you remember the, the person or group that impressed you the most? Uh, no, I don't. I, I'm not sure that there was such a thing. There were just so many good people and groups. Somebody that impressed me that I wouldn't have thought would have impressed me was Elvis Costello. And, you know, his, his show was just wonderful. Uh, there were others that, that I wasn't too crazy about. Donna the Buffalo, a lot of people really liked that, but I found it kind of annoying. And there was an, another group, that, the Avett Brothers, uh, which is, they're very popular with the younger folks. And I, I wasn't too crazy about them. David Bromberg did a concert there. He'd, he'd quit playing for years and years. And the, the, few years before I uh, wasn't able to go down to Merle Fest anymore, uh, he was one of their feature performers in the late evening, and uh, I was very impressed with him. Uh, Bela Fleck uh, and the Flecktones uh, and Bela and Abigail Washburn were very impressive. Uh, you know, there were just so many. Well, that is a big gathering it is i mean i saw a photo one time taken from probably a drone or an airplane or a helicopter and i was thinking it was one stage and you know a couple hundred people or 600 people would show up but it's a massive thing isn't it it is it is i think they were up to 13 stages at one time oh my gosh cut back a little bit that was the, the really the hardest thing about going to merle fest was trying to negotiate who you were going to see because there were, you know, just so many wonderful people. One performer who really impresses me a lot is Daryl Scott. Yes. And I, we went to a, a small uh, gathering out at, uh, in Charlestown a few years ago at Claymont and Daryl Scott was one of the featured people there. I was there the same, same time. Were you? Yep. Didn't see you and there he, though. No, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure we probably even saw each other, but <laughs> 
since we didn't know each other, it didn't make much difference. And it was it just so happened that uh, I, I went to everything I could that Daryl Scott did, and he did he did the songs differently each time he'd do a song. He'd do it differently, just however he was feeling. And Frank Zappa said the same thing. He said, you know, I there's some people learn these solos and they play them the same way every time. He says, you know. <laughs> I play it how I feel, and you know, they, and I think I kind of go along those lines. Uh, maybe part of it is because I can't remember how I played it the time before, so I just do whatever comes up. Well, you know, Dar- the fact that you mentioned Daryl Scott, I was, I went there the Saturday evening. It was, the concert started. I think they did two songs, and then the storm blew through, but. Before yes. the concert started, I walked around to the different ven- vendors and so forth, and I had gotten off of work and drove down. I could only stay for the evening because of what I was doing for work. I was selling new homes, but I had had a guitar built by Gray Burchett, who's out of uh, North Carolina, and Gray had built a baritone guitar for Daryl. Ah. And in fact, there's a on Gray's website, you can still hear... Um, Daryl play the play the guitar. It was the night he was it was given to him, I think, or he picked it up, and he mentions Gray. But anyway, I had a guitar built by Gray. I had not received it yet, but he had sent me an email and said I finished your guitar and another one. The other one was spruce top with some, I can't remember the back and sides. Mine is a redwood top with walnut back and sides. And he said, and Daryl happened to be coming by, so he played both guitars. He's played your guitar. And so I'm walking by the vendor booths, and who comes walking towards me is Daryl Scott. All right. And I, I, I said, excuse me, and he says, yeah. I mean, very amiable guy. And I, I said, my name's Todd Walker. You played the guitar that Gray built for me. He says, oh, that spruce one, the spruce top? He said, it's a killer guitar. I said, no, no, the, the redwood guitar with the walnut back sides. He goes, oh, yeah. And he said, nice talking with you. And off he goes, and I'm thinking, Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, he likes a punchy guitar. Yeah. And mine is a very mellow-sounding, nice, warm, the way I like it. And I, I still, it's one of my main guitars. But it's so funny you mentioned Daryl Scott. But what a fantastic performer and artist he is. Yes, yes. And I, you know, my first several exposures to him, he was playing an acoustic guitar. And then, you know, one of the years at Merle Fest, he came out with an electric guitar, and I was just blown away at how good he was with that electric guitar. Kind of reminds me of Oni Maybe when, mm-hmm. you know, Oni usually plays that Weisenborn style guitar. And one night he came to Beans in the Belfry and played his electric guitar. And oh my God, the stuff he was doing on that, I could not believe. He's. He's just an amazing musician. Well, I think he told me he was a signed artist at one point in time. Yes. I mean, you you have to be a pretty good performer to be signed, so I would assume. (laughs) Either good or lucky. (laughs) That that is true. That is true. He's an interesting guy. I like him a lot. Yes, he is. I do, too. So how have you been, up until the coronavirus self-isolating, however you want to describe it. How are you doing musically? Are you getting enough playing time? Are you trying to hit as many open mics as you can? 
I, I don't get enough playing time just because of my situation. Uh, I, for a number of years, I could uh, go out and leave Irene alone. She, in fact, sometimes enjoyed just having the time to herself. But it, it, as of late, I, I just don't feel safe leaving her at home. And uh, she's persnickety about who comes to stay with her. And so, I, you know, I've been able to get out occasionally to play when my uh, stepson could come over after work and stay with her. Well, maybe once this all clears up, um, you could have a once a month get together, have it two or three friends come over and just do kind of a, an evening concert at Max's house. <laughs> yeah. I know Tommy's done that a time or two at his house. And I, I probably would, uh, get together. I, I have off and on gotten together with friends and, you know, so yes, that, that is definitely something that I would look forward to doing. My friend, Mike O'Brien, we've played together fairly often for a while and uh, he would come over to the house and practice together. And one time he, his daughter, Emily was in town and came over with her recorder and played music with us. And another time, Vanessa, my daughter and Tay and her child were here and Mike came over and we all played music together. So, Well, Mike, our, I'm sorry, go ahead. Our, our sing-along groups did that. We would rotate whose house hosted. So, you know, we, I, well, you've been here. I have that big room at the end of the house where the fireplace is. And it, for, for a number of years when I was playing the mandolin more regularly, I had a group of friends that we'd get together on Tuesday afternoon. And again, we'd rotate around to different people's house and, you know, play fiddle tunes and Celtic and uh, old time music from, you know, one o'clock to five o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm familiar with that scenario. So where would you like your music to go? Do you want to write more? Do you want to perform more? Record maybe? I would like to eventually record, uh, you know, get a decent recording of some of my songs. I, I made a, CD. It's been quite a few years ago. I, I have a friend who had a recording studio in his bedroom, his, and he helped me record a CD of 16 cover songs, and I just used it to give to friends and my kids, so just to, so they'd have something that I had done. But I, I would like to do a CD of my original songs eventually. Now, how many originals do you have? I have two good originals. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably have 20-ish and lots of pieces. And writing songs comes and goes. I had a period of time when I wrote a lot of them. The same friend who did the recording for me 
for a couple of years, once a month, we would get together with uh, four or five or six people and do a songwriter's gathering and play songs that we'd written for each other and then uh, critique the songs. And that that was good motivation for me to come up with some songs. Well, what I'd love to do, and we've kind of, in the fame group, or maybe just individuals off to the side, we've talked about putting together a Christmas CD of holiday songs by fame members and recording mm-hmm. it. But what I would love to do, and I don't know if it's feasible or not, is to get yourself and a few other folks who have not recorded, who have some original songs, and maybe everybody does one or two, and we get about 16 or 18 songs on the CD, so that we don't have to be under the gun to try to record all 15 or 16 ourselves. In other words, take our best couple tunes and then collaborate. When I say collaborate, go into the studio, and if we want a, you know, a cello part or whatever, we'll bring somebody in. Keep it fairly simple, and then um, we would have a CD of. I don't know if you'd want to call it a core group, but you know, you'd be somebody I would want to have on there, and just I think that would be a lot of fun. I agree. I, I think that's an excellent idea. So we should float that around to a few other people and see what comes up. I know that. Uh... Uh, Sam has also talked about doing that. Well, we should continue the conversation. Sounds good. Now, we're we're just about out of time. I do want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me. As I mentioned to people when I talk with them, because I know most performers from either open mics or showcases, I rarely get a chance to chat with someone for more than two minutes. (laughs) So I know little snippets about everybody's life and I'll get it in this two minute segment. And then six months later, I'll get another two minutes or three minutes. It's been nice to be able to take an hour or a little over an hour and learn who Max Hahn is from a musical standpoint. Right. Right. So I thank you for that. Well, it's certainly been my pleasure. I always enjoy chatting with you. And I'm going to let you go. And unfortunately, you will not be able to hear this because we will end our conversation. But the folks are going to hear the song that you performed at that open mic. And you introduced it saying, this is a song I wrote for my wife. But they may not be able to hear that because of all the chatter in the background. So you introduce the song and let me know what it is. And then I'll we'll say goodbye and I'll play the song. Sure. It actually was one of the first songs that I wrote, and I don't have a date on it, but I'm guessing it had to be about 15 years ago that I wrote the song. And over the, the over time, I have revised it somewhat. Uh, one of these days, I can tell you about the original song that, that I uh the way it was in, in its original form. I, I decided to revise it to make it uh, more appealing to a, a wider range of people. And it, it just basically is uh, reflecting on, uh, at that time, it was 
probably 30 years that we'd been together. So that places it about 15 years ago. And it's a song about Irene or about the two of you, is it not? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's a tribute to my love for her. Well, I'm going to play it so everybody can hear it. It's not the greatest recording, again, because it's taped from probably 30 feet away with my guess is an iPhone or something like that. However, you can definitely hear it, and it is, it's very indicative of an open mic experience because it was an open mic, and you're one of the, gosh, the uh, quintessential open mic performers, I guess. <laughs> now, I believe that song, you, you got it off of uh, off YouTube. YouTube. I did. Yes, so... so yeah, it is accessible that way, too. Now, was that performed at Beans in the Belfry? No, that was performed at the coffee company. Okay. Yeah, because it's, it, you know, I I downloaded it last week, and I don't think I was actually looking at the performance as much, because I think I was doing something else, but I was recording it, so I couldn't tell where it was. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, I don't remember where it was. Maybe it was Beans in the Belfry. Oh, gosh, I don't remember. So we're going to be hearing... Well, was that uh, you posted a picture the other day of uh, you playing? Was was that also at the coffee company, the concrete that, block wall? Yes, that was back when Bill and Maggie owned it, and Tommy was had just gotten into his his percussion, and he was playing percussion, and I do not recall who who took the photograph, and. It's one of my favorite because neither one of us looks like we're paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's the best way to play music. You know, a very candid photo, absolutely. Well, Max, thank you. So, oh, but what's the title of the song I'm going to be playing? Uh, let me think. <laughs> You're as bad uh, as I am. I don't remember the titles of mine either. Well, I can tell you the the, the first one that I was... Uh, called Emergent Detergent, the song you started out with. Golly, I think I, I just, I eventually called this song a song for Irene. Okay. Well, Max, thank you again. It was a pleasure. Well, thank you, Todd. It was a pleasure and an honor to be included on your blog with so many esteemed people. Well, you were one of the esteemed. Thank you. All right. Well, good to chat with you. Hopefully we get together soon. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Max. Thanks so much. Uh-huh. Good right. night. Good night now. Bye-bye. Well, that was Max Hahn, a good friend of mine, a terrific person, and I loved listening and hearing about his background. And gosh, I need to see that Gibson Southern Jumbo at some point. That just sounds exquisite. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Wispy Mop Acoustic Radio podcast for this week. Again, we've been chatting with Max Hahn. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please, by all means, um, tell your friends and family and associates about it. They can go to wispymopmusic.podbean.com, or they can find it on either iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Produced by me, Todd C. Walker, from the Wispy Mop Music Studio in Frederick, Maryland. All the music played on the podcast is played by permission from the artist. And here is Max's song, A Song for Irene. This is a song I wrote a number of years ago for my wife. 
Will one. 